Podcast the Lotus Eaters, and I'm joined by Connor and Dan. Hello, it's the second of January. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to be joined with um, you know you guys on the second of January. Okay. Anyway, today we'll be talking about the Houthis and also the fact that London is for everyone. And no, Mickey, no, because Mickey Mouse has, has decided to join the far right, which is very sad. Callum, Ooh. I have large ears, and they're very sensitive. I'm, I'm sure you'll live. There's going to be a lot of Mickey noises. But anyway, to, um, to be fair, if your segment is about what I think is about, Mickey's kind of returning to his roots. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, he, that's, he that's, a, that's a common misconception. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. what is America in the 30s and 40s like? Oh, far right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we shall begin with the Houthis. So, yes. Uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about the uh, the Houthis, which are not actually a, a, a Star Wars race like the like the Ewoks or anything, but they are actually um, Yemeni's rebels. And uh, I thought I would do a in depth old style BBC explainer on this one because you know it it could lead to you know World War Three and or at least uh, the price of your washing machines going up because it's on a fairly important shipping lane. So so yes, yeah, so let's get into that. So so we've got the Houthis. Uh, they don't like being called that. They're apparently called that because their their original leader was called What's that, and they he got slur. yeah we got bombed <laughs> or something. So um, yes, uh, they 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 prefer to be called Ansar Allah, which apparently is um, Bless you know, you. the supporters of God. Right. You know, don't know who's on the other side of that argument, but whatever. And um, anyway, so they are Yemenis. Now, right, let's have a look at this. This is a map of the world brought to you by something called Google Maps. Now, hang on, let me just find the little. It, which mouse makes it work? Oh, here we go. Right, so here we go. So anyway, look. So this is the world, and let's break this down quite simply. Okay, so you've got that bit over there on the left. Where, the, where, the, which is where we get all our migrants from. Well, no, the, no, the, the upper left. Right. The, the upper left, that's Europe and, and America. Now, what these guys do is, is they buy stuff, right? And then you've got on the right-hand side, these are the people who make stuff. Okay, now in order to get the, the stuff that's been made from there to there, you, you've got to ship it via the sea. Now, this big bastard here, which is right <laughs> in the way, that's called Africa. All and right. you have to go all the way around that in order to get the stuff from the people who buy stuff from the people who make stuff, right? So, however, um, God in his infinite wisdom decided to put a shortcut in up here. So you dig, you basically you dig a little canal that bit. And then the ships can go in that big watery bit, and and they go through, and um, basically, you know, that's, you know, how how modern trade works. Is that so the I, Suez Canal? Yes. So I hope I haven't overcomplicated this point, but that that's basically what's going on now. You really ought to become a professor, sincerely. <laughs> like, it would actually be way easier to learn. <laughs> now, the reason why this has got a bit spicy is because there's a bit of a conflict going up on on this Israel bit up here. 
um, with some um, some Gazan chaps. Anyway, so and there's another faction down here in Yemen who who are a bit sympathetic to this. I mean, they've got other motivations as well. We cover that, but basically, so Yemen started a civil war decades ago uh, between government forces and um, you know the rebels, and apparently that started off as mainly being a sort of cultural and sort of you know theological uh, division within the country. And, and Callum, you pointed out that there used to be a North and South Yemen. One bit was communist and one bit wasn't. Yeah, and and basically it's it's divided on pretty much those exact lines. Seemingly, yeah. I th- I think the root of the conflict is truly about who uh who decides what the country's favorite color is, and that's yes. about as important as the conflict's actual problems. Yeah, it it, 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 might, it might as might as well be. But but basically, so so the rebels they well the, if, if they're still rebels they they now control the capital, and basically this big triangle here, which I'm making on the map. Um, the left-hand side of this bit. You really should have got MS Paint for this. Yes. It, well, we, well, I don't think we mastered that technology. I mean, you, you've been doing great work in it. The, 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 the government has been basically shimmied into that little city at the bottom, and they've, they've got sort of support across this, you know, this, uh, this right-hand side here. But that's in, a, that's in a rather key position, you see, because they're right next to the watery bit where all the stuff goes. Right. So... <laughs> to, to boil it down to basic terms for me, a complete layman to understand, yes. there's an irresolvable theological Islamic civil war happening mm. in a Middle Eastern country, Yemen. Yes. The government's been shunted to a coastal city because the rebels control the rest of the region, but the city they've got control of is at the mouth of the Red Sea, which is one of the major trade routes of the world. Well, well the, gov- the government have that little bit down there, which isn't too relevant, and then mostly their support is in the sort of, you know... The, all of South Yemen. But the developed bit, that triangle, that that's all rebels, and they basically get control of this strait. Now, this strait around this bit is only about 20 miles wide. So if they want to, and they want to, uh, they can basically shut down shipping by going through this. Cause point there, though. I've always heard this, like, oh, man, we hold Gibraltar because we could shut down shipping. It's like, why? Unless there's a global conflict, seriously, why? What's the upside? Well, the, well, the, the upside for them is, is that they're causing trouble. Um, and in order to get the, the trouble resolved, the West is going to have to do something. It's either going to have to invade them. But what do they get out of the trouble? Or it's going to give them something that they want. And the two things could be, well, the stated reason is they want a ceasefire in Gaza. But That's they, obviously a lie. Well, they probably probably more than that. What they want is international recognition because they basically hold all the important bits in the country, and they're still considered rebels. Well, and their just... bank unfrozen and the Saudis <coughs> are bombing. Yeah, that sort of thing, and, and okay. you'd be invited to the UN and all that sort of stuff. I suspect if you went to them and said, "Okay, look, fine, you you can be the gov- the recognised government of Yemen, and we'd drop the support for the the guys hold up in that little city at the bottom," that would probably be enough. You know, make make some make some overtures on maybe killing less Gazans, but it's it's probably about international recognition is the main thing that they want. But nevertheless, they are in this position, and because that that let's zoom in on that that straight there, because it is quite narrow with drones and cheap missiles, you can basically shut it down. They're like five big shipping companies, um, and they won't send any ships through here unless they can get insurance. Because you know you you sink even one ship and they'd probably go bankrupt because they've got a lot of stuff on them. So um, and and this sort of gives us to the well, problem. Can we go to the net? Oh, hang on, I've got the tab machine. Here we go. Press the. There we go. Right. So look, um, 
the militaries have been have been um, sent to make sure that they cannot shut down this strait with their cheap missiles and their cheap drones. So um, this is a, this is a story from the BBC. Uh, UK Defence Secretary says British forces will repel Houthi attacks, and they've taken a picture here of a Type Forty Five uh, British destroyer, which has been dispatched there. We apparently shot down a drone. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, Problem like old sold. times. Yes. Slight slight issue is these drones cost about ten grand, maybe. Yeah. And this thing is deploying the um the the, the Sea Viper missile defense system. And a missile for that, an Asper, costs about two million. Yeah, but it's good target practice. Well we're buying all these missiles anyway, we're not yeah. using them. I mean when it's one you know, fair enough. But when, yeah, well, when you get this up to scale, I mean, let, let, so Iran is supposed to be backing um, the Houthis, right? Now, they deny it, but you know, I mean, they probably are, right? So let's say Iran gives the Houthis 100 million and that buys them 10,000 drones. Yeah. And we shoot down these 10,000 drones of 2 million pound missiles. Well, that's 20 billion. Yeah. That's like a third of the entire UK defense budget. Sounds like an American job. Well, but even for them, you know, the, the returns on that run out pretty quickly. It doesn't matter who's doing the shooting. Uh, I, I just like the picture of this because, you know, we, we Brits still do have ships, although I'm a bit disappointed it looks like that. Also, the only reason the Iranians yeah. could fund the rebels at scale is because the Biden administration decided to reinvigorate the Iran deal and ship them billions of dollars in pallets of cash, which are then immediately spent on terror supplies. So the Americans yes. would then have to fund both sides. So... The creation of the drones and the shooting down of said drones. Actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, that is a good point. That's a fantastic idea. No, <laughs> we could get way more money to Raytheon and then everything will be hunky-dory. It's yeah. this always sunny thing of, I play both sides, so I always come out on top. Well, no, I, but sincerely, after you've said that, I'm just like, actually, no, this is great news. But it's, it's not just, everyone complaining? It's not just Raytheon directors, because of course they are a huge lobbyist, so the politicians get their refinance, their, their campaign bills, and obviously 10% for the big guy. So this so, isn't bad news then? It is, because well, it's all our money being spent on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, American money. If, if you're not part of the establishment, it could be considered bad news. Uh, so the effect on shipping. Um, so about thirty percent of um, um, shipping um, to, um, to no, no. What it's going to do is it's going to increase the the journey to Europe by thirty percent. Right now, because there's a fixed number of ships, if you increase the journey time by thirty percent, you basically reduce the capacity by thirty percent. It's the same difference. Um, and also, you add about eight percent on from going to the east coast of America because they don't actually use the. Well, they can use the the Panama Canal to go to America if it's on if it's going through the east, but it's actually slightly quicker to go through through that way. Um, but but it's not so bad for the Americans because they can go under the Africa and it only adds eight percent, so it's not so that bad there. So you're going to get supply side delays and increased costs. Well, yes. So look, actually, let's no, let, is, let's say this is very good news. So I happen to know. So the the Ascension Islands. Yes. You know, they used to be useful. They used to be worth something because all the shipping had to go around Africa. Oh, right. Okay. And if you track the, the economy of the Ascension Islands, it's really good. And then, like, that Suez Canal opens and they, they just, they've been useless ever since, except right. for the Falklands. So, actually, this might be good. For actually, good, Islands. instead of not just for the Raytheon guys. Well, yeah, we still a, own it. A, a, another potential win. Now, the last time that shipping um, got knocked back by 20% um, was during the pandemic and prices went up about 200%. Wasn't there also that massive blockage of the canal when that ship got stuck? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Panama Canal is still congested even now. It's running about 60% capacity. No, wasn't the Suez Canal blocked by that ship that got... Oh, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, 
yes, outside of that, yeah. prices prices are up significantly. Because you've got to remember, even if even if capacity is reduced by about thirty percent, that doesn't mean prices go up by thirty percent because everything is priced by the marginal unit. And if you've if you've got a supply chain that is dependent on a whole series of components, and your entire supply chain can only run as fast as the sl- slowest component, you're going to pay whatever you need to pay. Now, the other factor in this is. Um, I've been saying on Brokenomics for a long time that I think that the, the Biden administration has been deliberately shitting on the economy in order to get demand-side destruction so they can push down inflation, which has already been created by the money supply that they put in, so that they can push it down as fast as possible so that they've got an excuse to cut rates in the first quarter of this year. The reason they want to do that is because it takes about six months for, for a cut in interest rates to filter through into the economy which means you'll be having good times come October, November. Now, is there anything that might make American politicians want to have good times in October, November? Another free and fair election? Yes, exactly. So that could, this could really get in the way of that, because if you listen to, uh, you know, as I do, um, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the sort of annual report calls uh, that you get for, for retail companies, they're citing shipping costs as a major factor in why their, their inflation is coming down. So, so that could be unfortunate. And let's go back to the map quickly. The other thing you'll notice is that Saudi Arabia is, is there, and that's Jeddah. So, so that's where a lot of their oil gets sent out. So this could push up oil prices quite significantly. And if that starts to happen, um, then you know, inf- all the inflation stuff goes out the window, and Joe is completely screwed. So you can see why he's incentivized to get on this. The other thing you'll notice is up here we have a Russia and they ship a hell of a lot of wheat and grain because they, they produce massive amounts in basically this bit, Ukraine does as well, um, out into the rest of the world. So you'll be getting um, you know, food shocks around the rest of the world as well. I'll be honest, I was trying to be irritatingly positive just yes. that's my New Year's resolution. Yes. And um, I got nothing for that. That's all pretty bad. No, none of that is 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 particularly rosy. I'm sure we thought about enough. We could come. Maybe if you've got an upside to this, post it in the comments below. Anyway, well, the, so, down, the other downside as well will be then food and fuel crisis in the third world will be lead to more immigration, of course. Exactly, or at least yes. manufacture the consent for more refugees turning up on our doorstep. Yes, yes, all of that. So, so basically, we're left with two options, which is um, negotiate with them or invade Yemen. Now. Um, the Houthis apparently say they want a, a ceasefire in, in, in Israel, and, and you know we talked about the, the recognition and such. Um, the Israelis themselves are under no interest whatsoever in backing down at the moment. Well, I make you right in saying that they should be appeased enough if you made them the legitimate government of Yemen, because then they could at least turn around to the Palestinians and say, well, now that we're part of the UN, we'll be an extra voice on the Security Council speaking yes. up Yes. And, yeah, they and they'll just like do that. geopolitical genuflecting, whereas they're actually just looking out for their own self-interest. I mean, yes. Douglas Murray's made this point time and time again. Okay, all these Palestinian protesters that turn up and ruin my Saturday in London, where were you protesting on behalf of the Yemenis when there were a bunch of Muslims being killed? Like, yes. You didn't care about that one. So why should the Yemenis really care about the Palestinians in the same capacity? Well, I mean, they say they do, but I mean, that, I mean, that point is mute because, of course, the Israelis are not going to stop. And to be fair, if, if I was them and I had their interests, I probably wouldn't stop either. I mean, I'd be going full Roman and all the rest of it as well. Um, the other angle is, of course, that the American politicians are not going to um, rein Israel in. They're, ju- they're just not. Um, you know, we, we don't know why um, American politicians never, ever criticize Israel. But oh, hang on. Sorry. 
I, I do apologise for those that are listening. A picture of Jeffrey Epstein has just appeared on this. Can we get rid of that? Can we can we take that off the screen? I so, I do apologise. Anyway, I, like I was saying, for some reason, I think you, it might be a bit deeper than that. Well, yes, I mean, but American politicians are certainly not going to criticise Israel. It's almost like somebody's got dirt on them or something. So anyway, so that's not happening. So we're left with um, the invade option now. Um, Military forces. I've got to show you this. Operation Prosperity Guardian, which is basically the international fleet that has been sent there in order to um, um, in order to confront the, the piracy and the missiles and all the rest of it. Um, let me just give you, because I thought this was funny, let me just give you a list of the belligerents in this. So we've got the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, Bahrain, Canada, Denmark, Greece, Netherlands, Norway, and the Seychelles. Well, I'm glad the Seychelles are on our side. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to be cruel, but this is a little bit like when you're nine and you've got all your nine-year-old mates around and you decide you're going to go on a mission in the woods and then your four-year-old brother pipes up that he has to come along as well. And it's like, no! <laughs> and then your mum tells you you've got to take little Henry with you and off you go. But you, know, you don't really think... I, I could be very unfair here. I mean, for all I know... That was you being fair. Yeah, for, no, for, for all I know, maybe the Seychelles is sending a full aircraft carrier group with <laughs> destroyer support, nuclear submarines and, and air cover. Just three men <laughs> with stones. Anyway, no, no particular reason to put that in other than not, and I just thought that'd be funny. Right, moving on. Um, yes, yeah, so what else have you got? So you've got Iran, uh, according to Al Jazeera. They've deployed a warship to the Red Sea as well. Now they're on, they're on the, um, the Houthi side. Yeah, I was going to ask, what are you doing here? Um... Nothing. We don't support anyone. So why are you here? Moral support. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, just, just tourists. Well, my my point is that this is very much shaping up like a Guy Ritchie movie, where basically all the characters are sort of getting getting put into the same place. I thought it was at more the like same the, time. More like the fight in Anchorman, where all of the news anchors show up, and one of them's got a chain, and one of them's got like a flamethrower for no reason, and. I, I think I watched that, but I don't remember that. Midget turns up. I'm from the Seychelles. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, everybody is getting together in this same area. Um, the, the Biden administration shows no interest in negotiating. I mean, they never negotiate on anything, ever. Um, you know, I, I think this is one of the key reasons why they had to get rid of Trump. You know, the whole you know, new wars thing. I think that was probably the key factor in why the deep state, you know, rigged the election against him. Well, we do know that the generals that had informed him that they'd withdrawn all the troops from Syria were just lying because they wanted yes. to keep troops in Syria for yeah. the pipeline and Trump wanted them all out and they just defied the commander in chief, which they're not meant to do. So. The classic example <coughs> for me, sorry, would have been um, the North Korea thing. So, you know, Jim Kong or whatever his whatever his name was, he he was getting a little bit uppity, um, and, and 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 Trump basically sort of started tweeting to suggest that he was actually going to invade North Korea. Now he probably wasn't, but he made it sound like there was at least a five to ten percent possibility that he was going to. China then looked at that and said, "Well, hang on, if if there's a if there's a war in the in the South China Sea, that shuts down our shipping lanes. That means that all the because basically all of South China is basically just supplying electrical components that go into South Korea that then go into the rest of the world. They've got a huge amount of rural population that's been moved into that into those regions. If there was a war that affected the South China Sea, all that mass of population would come back unemployed to the cities in the north and start causing problems. But they also foresaw that, and this is why." Trump and the Republicans at the time 
were trying to do a massive initiative where they were trying to move chip manufacturing away from Taiwan. Mm. I remember there was a massive scandal yes. about it because Nancy Pelosi was both opposing it and then profiting from it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but, but the point, but the point, the thing with Trump there is, is Trump found a way of saber rattling in a way that made the problem sort of go away by raising the risk so much for China. But they said to Jim Kong, you know, hang on, stop this. Enough of that. You're, you're pissing on our chips now. And if, if Trump was still in power, he might find a similar solution to this because he, he's, he's not bound by convention and therefore, you know, he had, he had to go. But, you know, the neocons, this is the big problem. The neocons have been itching for war with Iran. So you've got a situation now where you've got all these ships mingling around each other. You've got an Iranian ship there. You've got Iranian allies on the side. You've got, um, I mean, by now, I'm guessing, but John Bolton must have written an article by now explaining why we need to go to war with Iran. It was on the 28th of December in the Telegraph. Right. There we go. There we go. Um, you've got other neocons. Um, so apparently, what, what did, I've got a quote here from... Um, Tom Cotton, another Republican, uh, he says that the Biden administration needs to take massive retaliation against Iran um, to end attacks on U.S. assets. Um, the the Biden administration itself is stuffed full of neocons. Um, you I know, think Lloyd, Tom Cotton was usually a neocon. That's quite surprising. Well, apparently, well, unless that yeah that that was a quote that I found from him. So yeah, presumably, right. so I mean, Lloyd Austin and Tony Blinken, of course, massive oh, neocon yeah. warhawks. Um, you know, these people have been. Um, itching for you know another big war. Well, uh, at ARC, Kevin McCarthy, newly deposed speaker, got up and made his entire speech about the end of history and how about we need to fight the new axis of evil, which is China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Right. Yes. Like, yes. Sounds not, about right. Not really all aligned on the same yeah. interests there. So you know, my, my my final takeaway from you know this situation that we've got we got going on is that um, you know you've you've basically got a whole set of military forces deployed in a turbulent area um, so you've got a standing opportunity for escalation that could occur at any time is this why the israelis are looking and this is speculative but apparently they've had plans drawn up for a while to create a parallel canal system through, yeah that that seems Gaza strip. that that seems rather ambitious to me because They'd need to clear all the... I mean, it's a long way. First. I mean, that's a plan that's been going since the 50s. Yes. And uh, initially, the idea was to lay down like 200 nukes and just nuke the land. In that between. might be a slight problem. Well, they, yeah, well, they realized that would be bad. Is that so plan getting dusted off again? <laughs> not that I know of, because right. people realize that maybe nuclear fallout is not good. Yes. Anyway, um, let, let, let's not talk about Israel. Let, let, let's put our focus purely on, on, on this strip of water here and the potential for escalation. So, of course, something could happen that, that could trigger you know, an event. And even if an event isn't triggered, I mean, there are you know, incidents that occur. You know, for, for all we know, the USS Liberty could be sailing into that gap of water um, anytime soon. And um, you know, if, if something terribly unfortunate were to happen and it were to be blamed on... I don't know, Iran or something like that. Right, so you're suggesting a Gulf of Tonkin incident might happen with some of the defensive capacity battleships from Britain or the US that are being stationed there? No, no, no. Of course, of course our leaders would never do such an underhand thing at all. Um, so yes, we, we can have faith in, in our respective uh, defense establishments who are um, aligned with our interests of not going to war all the time. Well, thank you for the foreign correspondence. Yes, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yes. Speaking of awful foreigners. So, Happy New Year, boys. Happy it, New Year, Connor. It, it turns out, as per the Mayor of London, 
everyone favorite poison dwarf Sadiq Khan, his his New Year's announcement that London is a place for everyone. And don't I know it, with everyone coming to London in the last few years, because that's made it so much better. Like the world and its wife just turned up on my doorstep. I didn't move, but yeah. my home city looks unrecognizable. If you don't know what I'm referring to, on the 31st, then the first, we have the annual fireworks display that's in London every year. This time it was ticketed. You had to show your ID to to turn up. But, uh, I mean, it's always extravagant. Years before, they had the BLM fist made in the sky. They had the rainbow flag. This year, they didn't have any particularly political fireworks displays. They had some political messages, which was very, very cringeworthy. So Sadiq Khan gave a gave a address. They had Bella Ramsey, you know, the the they them from The Last of Us, the one that plays Ellie, the one with the big forehead. Don't know. Uh, they British. Yeah. Huh. They had, they had Joanna Lumley, who's become a climate nut in the last few years. They had Stephen Fry, who did his alternative Christmas message about being gay and Jewish. Um, they had George the Poet, who's the black fella who's like the regime's endorsed BAME bard, I suppose. So they all delivered messages during the display. So that was the sort of drivel you'd expect. Yeah. And then the whole thing sounded off with fire and fury, like you're in, in Palestine. Um, Paul Embry summed it quite up as as well. He, I mean, and he's a Labour guy, but he goes on GB News a fair bit. And if if Labour have lost this guy, then they they really have jumped the shark. But he said, London's New Year fireworks, voiceover of the King preaching about diversity, an homage to the NHS, an advert for same-sex marriage, then a Windrush tribute, all literally within two minutes of the clock striking midnight. This stuff is like a nervous nervous tick. I mean, they, they can't not <laughs> just do the current thing. So yeah, and, and there were people predictably annoyed about it. Everything's political these days. There's nothing. It's either the politics of normalcy or the politics of weird, degenerate people that need every aspect of their life affirmed by every piece of messaging that the government puts out, including the New Year's fireworks display. But I wanted to hone in on the fact that London is a place for everyone. And that hasn't made it a particularly good place to live. I've grown up here all my life. My family are from East London and they got pushed out to sort of the border of Kent and. Kidbrook Estates and Elton and Bexley and the like. And so I've always journeyed in. And the worst I could remember from my youth was the 2011 London riots. They were right up my road. It was properly scary when I was like 11, 12. Since then, I mean, London's got even more inhospitable. Everything's covered in rubbish. The trains are always packed. Everything's expensive. Nothing's open. The pubs shut at like 11 in the capital city of the UK. They stop serving at about 11 o'clock. And I know that's a petty gripe, but the whole town's dying on its feet ever since the pandemic. Or lockdown, I should say, because that was a political choice. So I just wanted to zoom in on a few things that are going wrong with London. Um, first of all, TfL. So London's transport, which used to be kind of world-renowned, particularly the tube system that Victorians built, it's going bankrupt. Uh, this was on Tuesday, so this was the week of the 18th of December. This is Mark Harper, the transport secretary, equally useless because he's in the Conservative government. But he said that the transport body, TfL, will be getting £250 million payouts that would cover the costs of London Underground upgrades. Uh, these upgrades include finally adding phone signal to various tube lines, even though it was promised last year and now won't be till 2026 because we're a third world country. There is no way that the TfL should... I mean, you've got a captive audience of whatever it is, millions of people who use it every day. Yep. If, if that was privately owned business, it would be paying hundreds of millions, if not billions, in in taxes every year. Well, even the state partnership, private public partnerships, or the state-owned firms in other European countries are doing way better because there's a a chart right there. I mean, London single ticket fare is the most in Europe. Now, 
that's because of population density, no doubt. But it shouldn't be running at yeah. a deficit for that. I mean, we can just have competently funded transport systems. Do you use the tube? Because I've got to say, Constantly. When, when, when I lived in London, I kind of just switched over to buses. Just learned the bus routes and but it's better. Even, even well, the app doesn't work now. Bus tracker just doesn't work. For some reason, just stopped working in the last year. Never reliable. Always late. Still, the, the mm. fares are going up. They're going up 5%, the rail fares, in March, even though they're permanently on strike. They don't run, tubes don't run past 11, most of the lines. Yes. So if you're out at London in night, good luck getting home. Call an Uber driver and get salted, I guess. Mm. <laughs> Painfully rubbish. Um, it's paid more than $6 billion to TfL, the Department of Transport, in seven different payments since May 2020. So over the course of lockdown, where it's barely being used, it was still running at a deficit, and so they've paid $6 billion to TfL. Now, Sadiq Khan, this 250 million payment is only half of what he was actually getting because he requested 500 million. Where's all the money going? It's just evaporating to thin air. So the fewer services, services aren't getting their upgrades on time. There are more people using them. So yeah, there's more demand, but technically they should be covering costs if people are paying appropriate fares. And yet it's just a bottomless pit of finances. So thanks for the mismanagement, Sadiq. Cheers. Thanks very much. I wonder why. Uh, maybe it's because the the supply is never enough uh, to fit demand. Because any time that I see a black hole in finances, I mean, you're the economist, Dan, so you can tell me if I'm right. Um, if the money keeps going up, but it never seems to be enough, I always just look at if there's a demand side problem, right? And I would just suggest that this is the net migration figures because we can't never stop going about this on this channel because it is the main problem in the UK at the moment. I'd just suggest that importing 1.2 million people last year might be a bit of an issue for things like infrastructure and housing. And almost all of them want to live in London. Yes. That's the thing. When you move to a new country, most people want to go to the capital. Yeah, because we've centralized, particularly financial service sectors, most of the economic opportunities in London. And so we've created this giant, super diverse, as Eric Kaufman would say, uh, cosmopolis, and have just stacked people endlessly on top of each other and think that we won't have infrastructure challenges and cultural incompatibility. Yeah, you, you don't get it, though, because you do get a, a salary bonus for working in London, but all of that bonus is captured by landlords. Yeah, it's swallowed up yeah. by rent, particularly, which is yes. really, really pricey, and commuting. I mean, the amount of money that I spend on trains every month. So all those people going, moving to London, you know, finishing their degree and moving to London and, and hope getting what they think is a good job, the only reason they're doing it is because they hope that 15 years down the line they'll be in like a director position when it will finally pay off. But if if you don't make it to that level, you're better off basically just living elsewhere in the country and just getting a normal job. Well, this is the thing. So if you just stay in the corporate ladder, you're hoping that you have an earnings jump that allows you to dislocate from living inside the commuter belt and paying yeah. rent forever. But it's not like throughout your 20s you're working and saving to then pay for something. You're essentially yeah. working from 20 to 30 and then hoping that at 31... Well, at least when I first moved to London, you could do that. You could work and save, but that it's just been eroded, yeah. that difference. Yeah. And this is why I don't rent in Swindon, because I would never actually be able to save up enough money to buy a house and then not live in Swindon. This is why I commute... And also living in Swindon. Trained. But yeah, Swindon is a hellhole. Yes. But that's also because of mass migration. This is the, the, this is the Londonification of everything. And not everywhere in London as well, because there are plenty of areas in London that are still more tolerable than Swindon, but they're getting gradually worse because of immigration. But my local high street, no tube line, relatively disconnected from most of London. You lived in Bromley, you know, I live in Bexley. Yeah. They're quite similar. Yeah. Pakistani vape shop, Polish shop, yeah. the outposts of global homogenization moving in. So the only constant in the high street is now your average coffee chain that all serve the same thing at relatively overpriced rates. Everywhere looks the same. It's miserable. Yes. And it's like, okay, high street footfall is down. 
inflation is massively up and the only businesses that are being opened are these yeah. technicolor shops that seem to do cash only. I wonder if someone's on the take there. I, I did notice before I moved to Bromley that um, you know the Guardian had run a report on the least, uh, they were shaming, naming and shaming the, um, the least diverse areas of London. And, and I remember reading that and then whatever reason I ended up moving there after, afterwards. Anyway, but least diverse for London is not actually saying that much. So, I mean, what, what finally triggered it for me in the end um, was, a, was a 13-year-old girl um, a couple of streets down from me who ended up get, experiencing an enrichment event. Um, and then I was looking at my kids, looking at this place and thinking, yeah, I'm off. I'm going. Well, so in the last census, which you're an aficionado of, it was about 80% British-born, because uh, I don't think they broke it down by white British as far as I remember, but so 20% of Bromley is foreign-born. Right. That's about as good as you're going to get for a London borough. Yes. Days. Yes. Fantastic. All right. Uh, where are they all living? Well, it turns out it's at our expense. So Matthew Goodwin did a really good breakdown of this because he went on GB News a little while ago and he said about 50% of social housing in London is occupied by foreigners. And they went, aha, fact check, false. It's only 48. And it's like, right. Um, why does yeah. any person that showed up on our doorstep yesterday get a house at my expense? Why does any foreigner have yeah. a taxpayer-funded house? Why isn't it zero? Yeah, it, it should be complete zero, uh, but it isn't. And of course, this means that the national population in London, in one of the most expensive places to live in the world, really, are just being treated right, as... And, it, and it's just weird farm. that it's, it's, a ra- it's, a, it's considered a radical thing to say, that it should be zero. Yeah. You go to any other country... I mean, just, just move to Cambodia or... Demand a house. Yes, or Brazil, and just say, "Look, I'm foreign. Give me a house." Or any other time period in history. Yes, this is a this is a an eyelash thin epoch in civilization, and we suddenly treat it as if these people that have arrived from anywhere are entitled to housing. And they, they've expense. managed to move the oven to the window that far. And also, for the people that have actually fought in the armed forces and defended our country, they're fine to live on the street mm. without any provisions not even occupying the army barracks that are now being filled up with foreign migrants. So the people that actually care enough about the country mm. don't get housing provisions, but Tom, Dick, and Abdul, yep, fine, yes. it's all right, we'll, we'll house those. So um, if you want to look at the consequences of this, if you, if you think that this isn't bad enough, it can, yeah. things can only get better, as the Dark Lord once said. It, it turns out it can only get worse. So I did this interview recently with Philip Pilkington and Paul Morland, who are the authors of an ARC report called The Demographic Trilemma. Um, you should really speak to Philip at some point. He's a, he's a fantastic economist. Mm. And they ran the numbers and they said, okay, if we keep up these elements of the trilemma, it was egoism, which means small families, careers, personal freedom, um, economic dy- dynamism, so keep the GDP going up, never mind GDP per capita, because our elites don't really care about that. And if we wanted low immigration, you can only have two of those sides. So Britain's chosen economic dynamism and egoism, so they've turned the immigration tap on. And if we keep that trend up, sub-replacement birth rates, really high immigration, aging population, by 2083, we're going to be 54% first generation immigrant. That's an interesting way of looking at it, that trial, actually. Yeah, they they modelled Japan, Israel, and the UK all together. And Israel looks the most desirable one because they have low immigration, high Well, Japan's going to be significantly better than us as well. It is significantly better than us on GDP per capita, but we did go into the reasons of why that's not particularly sustainable. And now you have right. the Japanese government saying we need high immigration. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, a bit of watch then. I haven't seen that yet. Yep. Fantastic. So go and watch it on the website. It's free. Yeah. So we like free things over here, but we yeah. do appreciate if you subscribe so we can keep bringing these guests in because, of course, trains cost money. See my earlier rent. Anyway, so I just thought we'd go on to crime because it's not like these people show up and are all brilliant economic contributors. They're not all doctors, lawyers, and engineers, really? despite what we're told. So I've brought up this statistic before that the UK is number one in Europe, Western Europe, for crimes committed by foreigners. And I think it's number four overall if you count Eastern Europe as well. Um, in the world, it's something like 14th. And most people go, well, where's that stat from? Uh, it turns out it's from the US Department of Justice. So if I just hover over the UK here, right? So that's his criminality score. So that's 61st out of 193 and second of all 11 countries in Western Europe. But if you change the indicator on this for our, uh, our audio viewers, you put foreign actors. Let's hover over the UK, shall we? Oh, number one in all of Western Europe for crimes committed by foreigners. Second of 44 countries in Europe, 18th in the world. It's almost like this is a totally avoidable problem that we wouldn't have to import. It's almost like London being a place for everyone has some adverse consequences that we don't have to deal with. Well, what, why? I check out something. Please I just, do. just want to see Poland real quick. 16th out of 17 of Central and Eastern European countries. 169th in the world. 41 out of 44 countries in Europe. And what's Poland's immigration rate like? Let me... uh, I love zeros, but... Ah, okay. Right, I wonder if there's some sort of correlation. So, so why, why isn't the magic soil in the UK working then? Because I think at some point, the border force must have turned off the portal technology yeah. that converts every because backward I... savage from yes. the third world who hate us into a really productive and patriotic citizen just by giving them a passport. Because like 1950s Britain was remarkably low crime, remarkably low crime. In fact, the small handful of criminals, like the Craze or whoever, like became very, very famous just because it was such an unusual thing. You know, and it was concentrated in certain areas in certain yes. cities. But we were told that we could just basically ship in chaps from, from sub-Saharan Africa, and the moment their feet touch the soil, they would basically become exactly like us. Yeah, it turns out that people are actually just not economic integers that you can re register on a balance sheet. Shocking. Cultural prejudices Shocking. and different religious convictions. And, and actually, they don't see themselves as your neighbours. They don't see you as their countrymen. Sometimes they just see you as people who are occupying land and that have money that they want, and they can just take it, either yes. through the government's means of redistribution or just by force see crime not fun. Now, mm. this is pretty evident. It's so evident at this point that even Sky News kind of got pretty sick of Sadiq Khan. So they did an interview with him and the, the host, Mark Austin, just said, okay, it's, it's all well and good for you saying that the new year brings new and good things, but what about knife crime and gun crime? Because they've been going up exponentially and we'll get onto some stats on that in a minute. So if even Sky News, who I'm not a fan of, as many may know, are asking Sadiq Khan this question, it, it it seems that the narrative can't quite deny reality strong enough. Do you know what Sadiq Khan's response to this was? I don't care. <laughs> no, no. He said, we're going to crack down on the mobile phone companies. So, his rationale is that crime only exists because people have mobile phones that other people want. So therefore, they're going to crack down on the mobile phone market. I'm pretty sure, isn't Sky News owned by Comcast? Because that's a really weird response. No, no, no. It's not Sky News' fault. It's Sadiq Khan said that. No, that's my point. Like, why would he respond with that? Unless he's threatening Sky and their owners? No, I think it's genuinely... Unless he's genuinely retarded? It, he is. So, so the mentality is, this is, this is like 
when Lenin would appoint a bunch of thieves and murderers as the guards and the gulags because they weren't the ones corrupted by the capitalist civilization, right? His point is, if you, as a law-abiding citizen, have a thing that the migrants want, it's because they were deprived of it by living somewhere else. And as soon as they come over here, you're provoking them by showing your affluence to them. So all we need to do is redistribute the means of phone ownership, and then there'll be no crime. Ah. So it's actually your fault for being peaceful and productive. So basically, I get taxed for having a phone so that somebody who's just been shipped in from sub-Saharan Africa can have a phone. But they've all got phones. Like You That's see them true. get off the boats with their smartphones. Well, not just that. Yeah. We, Migration Watch has already shown in prior research that the government actually gives these asylum seekers free phones so they can contact their family. So might okay. be a small flaw so, in so the, 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 the However, the bit where they tax me for having a phone, that bit will probably be valid. Probably. It's just for the just like taxing yes. you for having a car to get around and actually go to your job. Yes. Except the London Underground has a way higher pollution rate than any vehicle driven inside the M25. Right. It's not meant to make sense. Yes. It's meant to stigmatize law-abiding people so they can get their actual goal of importing infinity immigrants, which are going to vote for Sadiq Khan eventually. Which is the only reason why, despite being very unpopular, he's probably going to get in again. Mm. That's quite true. So I did speak about the crime stats. The Telegraph spoke to a, an undercover police officer here, and they did compile some of the crime stats. This was on Christmas Day. What a Christmas present for all Londoners. So in the last year, this is from July to July 2022 to 2023, there were 43, and this went up to 45 by New Year's Day, knife crime incidents reported to, the, oh, sorry, 43 per day, knife crime incidents reported to the police in London every day. The shootings were up 6% since 2022. There were 90 homicides in the last year, 20 of the dead being in their teens. That'd be 21 now in a case we'll get onto in a moment. Quote, one frontline officer who spoke on the condition of anonymity said the level of violence on the streets was the worst he did experience in the last two decades. It really does feel like things are getting out of control, he said. The volume and ferocity of the violence that we're seeing is off the charts. I've been on the job for almost 25 years, and I've never known it be as bad as this. Drill music and the use of social media have made things so much worse. You have online squabbles that escalate so quickly into violence. Now, true, sure, London riots were organized by Blackberry Messenger. But I can't help but feel like if law-abiding people use social media and it doesn't result in rampant crime in other areas, mm. it might be a problem of demographics and cultural values more than Twitter. Well, I don't, I don't think it's enough. Like, I remember when I was a little kid, you'd go on a, a school trip to somewhere and you could buy um, li little folding knives in the gift shops and a whole bunch of the buys, boys would just buy these folding knives. Oh, in Switzerland like, and France on the ski trip, I've heard it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lo lo loads of boys would have one. Yeah. And we, we didn't go around stabbing each other. Yes. Whereas for now, for some reason, there's something, there's something different about the demographics, which is, which is resulting in lots and lots and lots of stabbing. Yeah, and it's funny how, according to that map we just brought up, it seems to be disproportionately concentrated in people that just showed up yesterday. So migration Mark. goes up, crime by migrants goes up, crime in London goes up, must be the mobile phones. Got it. Yes. Understood. Uh, so, speaking of these stabbings, we had one on New Year's Eve. So, some families just lost their son. This was in Primrose Hill, <sighs> the park in Camden. The Met Police have put out a witness appeal for anyone that has, has witnessed the, the stabbing. That they've arrested uh, a, a man on the suspicion of well, murder. And this is this is why I moved out of London. It's because you know, it, it, economically, it would have been far better for me, but. You just look at your kids. Do you think I just I'm just not doing this? Yeah. Well, well, this was the kid in question. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he was involved in an altercation just at Primrose Hill. So it doesn't seem like he was part of a gang. Just 16 year old kid, Henry Pittman. Oh, he probably got harassed while he was walking home. 
Yeah, it was, well, apparently it was on um, an overlook point because Primrose Hill since lockdown has become a major party scene of where mm. gangs of youths just show up and have a drink and do whatnot. Do we but, know anything about the person that stabbed him to death? Because I did happen to notice that you said that they've arrested a man. It just says a male. A man. A nondescript male. Another man is at loose. Yes. No, no, no. We, we're going to be seeing when, a lot of euphemisms throughout this. When time. they don't give you a description, that's a description. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, just translate to scholar. I think. So he's the 22nd teenager now to be murdered in London, 2023, 18 of whom were stabbed. So they're not very creative in their methods of ending people's lives, are they? Uh, more than 100,000 people had gathered on the banks of the Thames in central London on the 31st to see the midnight firework display. And the Met said 23 people were arrested there for offences including sexual assault, theft, and assault of emergency workers. Uh, two other stabbings happened at the same time. A man in his 20s was found with a stab wound in Teddington in southwest London. And earlier in the day, a man was stabbed near Plumstead Station in Greenwich. So that's not that far from me. So yep. just a part and parcel of living in a big city. I suppose, as I believe Sid yeah. Khan himself and, 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 and just going back to my situation, I mean, I, I abandoned the capital because I felt I had to, but why are we in the situation where we have to abandon our capital? Well, because of people like this. So this, this crime happened in 2020, and as now the sentencing happened late 2023. A depraved man. Just a depraved man. Should we have a look at the depraved man? Ah. Oh. Depraved men could be here, he thought. I hate depraved men. Quite. It really is the Jimmy Dore yeah. meme, isn't it? He, he raped a woman as, as she was asleep on the Piccadilly line in front of the passengers. Uh, an 11-year-old son um, and a French tourist witnessed this, likely traumatized. About three hours before, uh, he had chased two women into the house because he was pleasuring himself looking through their window. And, and, and you notice that they say, you know, did it in front of other passengers. I mean, presumably there was no one there who felt that they could, they could step in. Well, um, because but, you get a Daniel Penny situation of where exactly. if you... And I'm, I'm not condoning it. I... But even think of that. I mean, let's say you're a rapist. You don't do it in front of other people. You would have thought, this comes back to the whole like Palestine thing and then the Holocaust. It's like the Germans tried to cover up killing the Jews, whereas the, the guys in Gaza are just like, hey, we're proud of it. A rapist that's proud of doing it in front of the public instead of trying to hide their crimes is another level of criminality. Yeah. I mean, but the is... criminal mindset is so beyond the normal. It is a little bit like the Norm MacDonald joke about Bill Cosby where someone said oh Bill Cosby I can't believe it the, the hypocrisy he was there the whole time saying that black men should pull their pants up and he was going around pulling his down and Norm goes yeah well I don't think the worst part about it is the hypocrisy I think the worst part is the raping but you do make a good point <laughs> in that and yeah. this you will see something very shortly and this is why I say they genuinely don't consider you human or their countrymen or their neighbours is because their impulse control is so low and their frame of reference is so savage, they are solipsistic in that they believe that no other human being has equivalent moral worth or deserves consideration to them. It's just they will do whatever they can get away with or whatever they feels right in the instance. And a lot of that time, it's just robbing you, stabbing you, and raping you. I mean, mm. putting it sadly and bluntly, um, he was... Let's import another 1.2 million and see if that fixes it. Yeah, well, he was jailed for nine years. Um, but it seems there's no shortage of, of guys like this. Now, bear in mind, this article does not say whether he's a first or second generation immigrant. Dude, quick, can I just quickly point out, so he was jailed for nine years, right? Yeah. There was a guy a few years ago who set up cameras in his bedroom to film women that he was having consensual sex with, and he got 12 years. I mean, if you want to be even more miserable, there was a case in Germany <laughs> recently where a girl was gang-raped by 10 men. Only one of the men 
based prison time, I think it was a few months, and the lawyer argued that the trauma of their immigrant experience and their high testosterone levels meant that they just had to rape her. I mean, that was a plausible defense. I mean, c- could you see our governments are at war with us? They are trying to exterminate us. Yeah, great fun. Um, so this is exactly who you're being taxed to import. This was drawn my, my attention to. Uh, I mean, if this was a dark comedy skit, you couldn't have written it any better. I'm, this, is, this is Ross Kemp, who goes to all sorts of places. I mean, he spent time with the, with the Taliban. Um, I don't know what kind of crazy person would want to do that. Uh, but he decided to speak to this group of South Africans, and they genuinely cannot formulate an understanding that a rape victim would have trauma. So all the consequences of rape are relative to whether or not it would inconvenience them or they would be caught. And I want to play this because these are the kinds of people we're importing from the third world, and this is the mindset that we're importing to work in care homes or to fill the NHS backlog or to just stick them in an asylum center so that more money changes hands. I'm just going to play this out loud. Um, apologies. Guys, let's go. Some of them, they're not screaming. It's like they, they wanted to be raped, you see. She also grabs you, you see, no it's more like crying. It's like she's enjoying it, you, you know, see. even though she isn't, but it's like she's enjoying yeah. it. Do you think it's right? Do you think it's right to rape? Yeah, it's, it's, it's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. What about the consequences of what you're doing in terms of how that affects exactly. the person that's raped? Yeah, the consequences, we look at that all the time, you know, because it happens, she might scream, you know, people might wake up. Or a lot might, of people. Especially I'm not just talking of, about, I'm talking about the emotional effect, the physical effect it has on yeah, the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes we know that uh, we it's might rape her and wake up tomorrow with viruses ourselves, like HIV, you know. What about, what about regretting what you've done to the girl? I also do regret about it, because if she f- fell pregnant, what will be that baby's father? Who will be that baby's father? But what you about see? her personal feelings? <laughs> she doesn't go in. I mean, this is, this is why I brought up the fact that the guy raping uh, a woman in front of us on the tube, that's not a small difference. That's a huge difference. Because when you come to actually sentencing someone or, or putting someone behind bars, one of the things you have to consider is men's rear. Mm-hmm. Did they have the intent to commit the crime? And if they did, then it's obviously worse because it's like, okay, you thought about it and then you committed it. If the person cannot comprehend what, what they're doing can damage other people and they can't even comprehend why it's wrong, or in the case of the guy who raped on the tube, can't even comprehend that maybe you should try and hide your crimes, I kind of think you should go as far as you can with the law I mean, death penalty, because what yeah. do you do with an animal that can't comprehend that it eating toddlers is something bad? I mean, you can't teach it that. It well, it was, potentially, it was potentially a step before that, which is not welcome into the country in the first place yes. and then deal with the problem. Of course, but when you're dealing with a criminal who can't even comprehend that what he's doing is wrong, which is why he doesn't hide it, and can't even get into the mind of the woman he's raping and think that she might not be you know, happy about the situation, you're not dealing with yeah. someone who is rational or part of the court system at that point. That, that is an animal. There are no amount of pool tables that will solve this problem. It's not a social problem. These people just yeah. do not have the, the cognitive capacity or cultural instruction to consider you their neighbors or equal moral agents. They will just take what they want from you when they want it and only be discouraged if they think it has personal consequences to them, which is why you even need yeah. to hang the death penalty over their head because they cannot be reasoned with, or just never bring them here in the first place. But these are your future neighbors. No, sorry. These are your 
these are your future tenants because you will be taxed to put these people up in a very nice place in London that you could otherwise not have afforded because they showed up yesterday and demanded social housing. And, and, and as I mentioned there, the overwhelming priority of all Western governments is to import as many of these people as they possibly, possibly can. Yeah. The one priority that the, the UK government has. The Treasury Green Book says at least 200,000 people have to be flooded into the country every year to maintain the pension system, and therefore it doesn't matter who those people are. It matters to us whose loved ones might be assaulted. I, had, I actually had an ex-girlfriend who was um, groped in the middle of the night by a foreign national, Bulgarian guy, here illegally, had multiple offences against his name, yep. and, and he had held in prison for about two years and had his deportation notice served to him in 2022. But all of that costs us money. Even just to kick them out of the country in the first place, we've got to be taxed to pay for the bloody jet fuel. What, why are you here? Why are you here? Other than just economic reasons. Ugh. Uh, just another one. Um, race riots are now just a permanent fixture of London as well. Thanks, Sadiq Khan. Um, really feeling the diversity and enrichment. These are the Eritreans. So this is outside the Eritrean embassy. They're uh, on Camberwell Road. This has happened a few times now, but this was just on New Year's. This is, they are apparently protesting dictator president Isaias Afinweki. Eight were arrested at this demonstration. But which side do you side with? Because uh, if you don't side with the right side, you're on the wrong side of history. Yes. Um, I have the controversial far-right opinion that I should not have to care about random African dictatorship because random men in balaclavas with sticks should not be hitting my police officers. And again, as well, this, is, this comes down to the, the point that you made, right? They do not consider themselves anything beyond impulse now. They don't consider themselves our neighbors. I would not dream if I went to another country of raising my particular political issues in, in the street, but also even if I were petitioning the country that I was living in at the behest of its occupants to intervene in my country of origin because I was a refugee, why would I think the most compelling way to get that message across is to attack police officers with sticks? Like I'm the Zulu. Yes. Like, what? I can't actually wrap my head around this level of barbarian illogic. Though I will say that the guy that recorded this from his flat, um, he said, I've muted the post, but restricting comments because it's a cesspit. Eritreans were protesting against their own government. Apparently, there were officials inside, and that's why it turned violent. Anything else about gang wars is nonsense. <laughs> agendas. Right, don't notice patterns about violent criminality via certain <laughs> ethnicities and cultures, because that's racist. Um, I'm sorry, I'm less concerned at this point about being uh, called racist, because one, I'm not. Two, this should not be happening in my home city. No, London should not be a place for violent Africans who want to hit police officers with sticks. suppose that's far right. There's another angle of it of just the reasonless, senseless violence, but uh, I suppose... And, and, and that's our capital city now. Yeah. Um, do you know what the re response from the police was about this? So this is uh, the former investigating officer of the Met, Met Police, and he said, well, you've got loads of people standing around filming things on their phones. Uh, if you want to help out, stop filming things on your phones and go join the Met. Hello. Bro, bro, who's holding the phones? It's the same guy holding the sticks. We can see in the footage the guy's holding the phones, the ones holding the sticks. But also, the guy who was <laughs> the guy who was living above the road, filming it from his house, who said, yeah. "I just wanted to go to the corner shop." Who For the said, "Glory of England, go and protect the police of vice and virtue." But okay, let's, let's say let's say let's say average British man picked up a stick and went down to the street and tried to defend his own doorstep. What happens? Oh, he's the one that gets arrested. And if you join the police, you're told to stand back and stand by and do nothing because we wouldn't want to upset the rapey, violent foreigners, but we do want to stop the so-called far-right football And, and the, I, the idea the that the police are in any way working on behalf of the British people is laughable. Yeah. They, there was literally the, the veterans 
lining up ahead of the cenotaph procession who were leaning their flags against the metal railings and they were told to lift their flags off the railings and not stand near there. And he said, well, you're not telling the Palestinian protesters to go and stop waving their flags and sticking them in front of everywhere, are you? And the police officer went, I'm sorry, mate, there are more of us than there are of them. I mean, yeah. police are cowards. Frankly, I mean, and, cowards. And, and also, I mean, I've mentioned this in segments before, but I'll just reiterate it again. And we know this from published government documents, but the highest policing priority is going after what they call the far right. Yes. So white British people, that's their highest policing priority because apparently those guys are causing violence and mayhem everywhere. Well, that was in the prevent training. It was a prevent training where we're unilaterally focusing on far right terrorism at the expense of focusing on Islamism, despite the fact that we've had now multiple people come across the channel in dinghies yep. and claim refugee status and then bomb pop concerts or attempt to bomb hospitals in cabs or stab gay people in yep. Reading. So if you make a spicy comment on Twitter, you know, the police have no end of resources available to confront that. Yep. But if you're, you know, attacking them with, with sticks in the middle of London, well, they've got a very limited budget to deal with that bit. Yeah. And even if you don't attack them, even if you just stand in the street and assert the fact that you're a Londoner and you are entitled to live here because you have no other home to go to, yeah. you will still have abuse hurled at you by people in masks from everywhere and anywhere that thinks London is for them. Well, there was that guy, wasn't there, who, who basically all, oh, this fella. all his video... No, well, not him, but that's a good one. There was another guy who basically just filmed himself walking down the street and said, why is there so many foreign flags here? And for that, he got arrested. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that was Bethnal Green High Street. Yeah. Yes. Well, Now, now this, this one is solid because he's just like, no, I'm not going to get pushed around. Yeah, well, this is slightly old video, and I'll play a little bit of it. Uh, apologies for the language warning. If there are kids in the room, you might want to mute it for a moment. But this is just an average Cockney lad who is standing in a street in the middle of London and a bunch of foreigners with Jafakan and sort of Bradford accent you'd hear in Four Lions are shouting at him, calling him Australian because they genuinely don't recognise a late native London accent because they think, as Sadiq Khan is telling them, London is for everyone except the Londoners. So I'm just going to play a little bit of this. Enjoy your fucking Why don't you go back to where you came Brick, from, yeah. eh? Oh, fuck off, These fellas alone, yeah. they got work to do. Well, you fucking fuck, I'm talking to you. You're fucking bullshit. I'm talking to you. The biggest shit in the no, world. No, not bullshit, no, mate. No, I don't know. Yeah. Why don't you fuck yeah. off? No, let's go, man. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna touch you. Go back to where you came well, from, man. You're making me all up because I have to come in. London, mate. London. Of course. Fucking London. Anglo-Saxon. I'm just going to mute it and let it roll because later on, so he actually puts his hands on him at one point and says, have a fight with me. But as he puts his hands on him, the police just disappear. Just disappear. As this one guy is getting ganged up on by guys in masks, shouting verbal abuse at him, pushing him about. They're accusing him of hitting them and he doesn't. Police vanish. And that is emblematic of how you will be treated as a native Londoner, displaced from your own homeland, forced to pay for foreign invaders who commit crimes at disproportionate rates, and then right from the top in the fireworks display that you were extorted to pay for, presented to you by the mayor of London, no, by taxpaying Londoners, you will be told that it's for everyone except yeah. for you. So, happy new year, everyone. Uh, capital City's gone to hell. And, and of course, the other thing is he, he's Gen X. So, I mean, he's about the last generation that had this sort of British identity in them from a young age. Everything after that, you've been indoctrinated so heavily in the schools and the education and the media system that you've got to, you basically just got to surrender to the world. So, yeah, it's on its way out. Well, with that, I suppose we'll, we'll try and cheer up the mood with some fun instead.
Oh, well, have you got something wholesome for us, Callum? I think so. Oh, good. How urge is this going to be? There's wholesome fun to be had. That's what's going on. But anyway, um, I don't know if Jack, you can load up the, the link I asked you because uh, my apologies, I didn't add it very, very late. But, it's not. It's not going to be worth those Pixar AI things, is it? No. Good. This there is, we go. This is real life. <laughs> but anyway, Mickey, no, please don't do it, Mickey. You have so much to live for because uh, Mickey Mouse has now joined the far right, which I. I couldn't ask for a better gift for the new year because that is friggin' hilarious. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the fact that um, Whistling Willie, so not officially Mickey Mouse, but the original Mickey Mouse, has become part of the public domain because it's now been a billion years and Disney's copyright has finally come up. I think, I think, it's, a I think it's 100 years and then it becomes the copyright yeah. no longer applied. So, um, so people are having some fun. But before we begin, I do want to mention something on the website, this being the Lads Hour we did, which is uh, Remember No Homo. Because if you, if you like good fun, we did certainly have a lot here. And I think you'll enjoy it. Thank you and whatnot for there. And um, I have a bit of a, a, a professional thing as well, which is that I noticed that this is 300 views off becoming the second most viewed thing on the website. So if you could do me a solid, uh, do go and get a subscription, give it a watch, enjoy yourselves. What, what's the most viewed thing? Uh, I think it's the review of Matt Walsh's uh, movie about there being no women. Yeah. So both things on the website are that are most viewed are related to bumming? No. They're both related to having fun. So, we shall begin with some fun, which is that that has come out of copyright, and as you can see, there is uh, some people who had been waiting for this. So this guy, for example, he'd made a horror game in which you can play, and then there's a Mickey Mouse that's the original Whistling Willy, of course, as the, as the monster that comes and scares you. The thing is, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of crap. Like, the... Oh god, the, the audio is going to go all over the place. Which, which uh, assets is it reusing? Because it looks like some sort of generic decontamination <laughs> zombie infestation game. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know, but it's crap. That's like, cool. I kind of find it funny though that someone was waiting, being like, "I'm going to wait for Mickey Mouse to come out of copyright, and then I'm going to finally, finally, boys, get my in." And they weren't the only ones. There was uh, a few others. So this guy was talking about uh, some concept art that someone made up once, which is what if they made a Mickey Mouse themed shooter? It was a which, cuphead. Yeah, it looks amazing, to be honest. I don't know if you guys have, have seen the footage, but it's, it's just genuinely... I have a feeling this isn't over yet. Like, it just looks cool while you're just running around shooting mice. So, okay, I, I, that sounds good. So, I want to play that. Idea. Yeah, I'd play it. But they're not the only ones. Um, some other game devs who were less ambitious decided to just add Mickey Mouse on the Undertale. New Year as uh, new characters in their games. So this is uh, a different game. I don't think it's Undertale. It's looks very, yeah, it looks very... Caribbean cool. Sail. There we are. So you can play as Mickey Mouse now. So if you have a game, you can just add Mickey Mouse, which, yeah. yeah. Someone else even made a whole bloody movie. The first trailer for Mickey Mouse... Sorry, Mickey's Mouse Trap is out. And it's basically just Five Nights at Freddy's, but Mickey Mouse, by the looks of it. So okay. can we do Lotus Eaters merch with yeah. Mickey Mouse? Anyone can. That's the thing. You know, Steamboat Willie over there, he's at copyright. Do what you want with him. Is this like when Sorry. they made that Russian horror movie of uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood Honey? I haven't seen that one. There was, a, there was a Winnie the Pooh movie, I think it was Russian, where Winnie the Pooh is a cannibal and he has eaten everyone in the Hundred Acre Wood and so hunts, hunts them like Jason Voorhees. I haven't seen that, but sounds good. It's a thing. But um, that's Normie World, who were just having fun with, with Mickey Mouse being released. But of course, then there's the political world. So Jack Posobiec, for example, was just like, Happy Mickey Mouse Public Domain Day. Uh, as you can see, the, the old footage of Whistling Willie has quickly become something with a speech bubble. 
White flight was state-sponsored ethnic cleansing of our cities, says Mickey Mouse. Hmm. What more have you got to say, Mickey? I wish to subscribe. Because Poso just went on a rant and had fun. If the population of your country starts to rebel, simply replace them via mass migration. Oh, thank you, Mickey. More good ideas, Mickey. And it went on. Franco oh, that's good. Wrong. Yeah. Franco did nothing wrong. He so, was he was he's lumped in with the cringe dictators of the 20th century. We actually just defended his country from weird communists that were defiling the corpses of nuns. Sincerely, the communists over the uh, Spanish Civil War were utterly mental. They're scum. So they were way worse than the fascists. The fascists are obviously not my forte, but it's like... But, but they weren't even really, they weren't even really fascists. I mean, there were. Franco, no, Franco introduced a bunch of fairly free market, marketeer reforms. I'm not it, saying Franco was, I'm saying the fascists backed Franco because they were part of the coalition, definitely. Sure. I mean, they literally backed on the Fuhrer. But they're not the only ones who were um, you know, having fun with Mickey Mouse. You can see here, most of the peaceful memes go in. It makes up 13% of the population, but 50% of the crowd is like, okay, okay, of course, of course. I don't know what he's talking about there. Yeah. Mickey also had some uh, stuff to say about George Floyd. He had a lot of fentanyl in his system. He's like, okay, mucker, thanks, mucker. And it went on. It's kind of weird, all the gay couples purchasing little boys. Yep, see Shane Dawson's past <laughs> comments about uh, attractive children and masturbating his cat. And uh, there's one more in here, which I hadn't thought of. You remember that um, Islam is right about women? thing. Yes. Um, Islam is right about trans people. And I thought to myself, damn, no one's tried that. I haven't seen that before. Maybe I've just <laughs> but, been blind. But Well, which uh, branch? Because well, if, we're, if we're talking about the Iranian regime, they have a very different opinion than... Well, they don't well. think trans people exist. They think you're either a man or a woman, and we're going to make yeah. you a woman. Yes. If you do woman things, such as uh, gay anal sex. Iran, trans women or women. <laughs> but anyway, there is a, a template for all of you out there who wish to have some fun. And Uh-oh. You can, you can do as you please, and I look forward to your submissions. That will certainly be nice. But then people start to have a bit more fun, because, of course, that's a, a pretty stock template over there. Oh, it gets worse, does it? Yeah. Mickey over here has now been caught trying to carry out the CIA's orders. So there we are. There are also some boomer quality memes out there. Going to go meet the migrant boats to welcome them in, right? <laughs> someone needs to someone needs to Photoshop him with his hands on the on the steering wheel on front of one of the dinghies. <laughs> like, yeah, Whist, Whistling Willie has his own views about the boats. And then Michael Knowles decided to join the conversation. Whistling Willie says, "For the good of society and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this delusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life and the whole preposterous ideology at entry level." Says Mickey Mouse. At CPAC. So there we are. So um, that's pretty good. I mean, literally overnight, Mickey Mouse became a far-right meme, and no one else decided to even pick up on that, because I did see the day before New Year's. Someone tweeted out, hang on a minute. That's going in the public domain. That can be ours. And yes, people did decide they were going to actually do it. So, so 2023 qu- was the year that Barbie became right-wing. 2024 is the year that Mickey Mouse becomes right-wing. Mookie is with us. I, I quickly looked up how long until we need to wait for, for Kermit the Frog to join us. And we've got until we've got until twenty fifty five and then he can join. And then I looked up the other one we obviously want is Lion O from the Thundercats and we've got to wait until twenty eighty five. Such a Gen Xer. That's a long time. I don't know what, what good he's gonna be. When does Jackie Chan Adventures or Super Duper Sumo enter public domain? I don't know. But as you can see, Michael knows decided to to hold a competition here. Please post your best radicalized Mickey Mouse memes. And um, people had fun. So, I mean, as you can see here, there's some uh, compilations there. And it did help that, of course, Mickey Mouse and Disney have been memed to hell for quite some time. The media crying over George Floyd after he was killed by a ton of drugs. Very sad, very sad. Uh, It goes on and on. I mean, you can see, like, previous just 
general Disney stuff over there. Can't believe we got the Steamboat Willie before the Epstein client list. Gotta love how the former Democrat president is revealed to be a pedophile and no one's even surprised. You know what? That's actually true. I don't know. I've yeah. not thought of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> when did it become? Because he was a guy who sexually assaulted women and then he just became a pedo and everyone was like, yeah. Well, allegedly. Yeah. We have to say allegedly. I don't think he's going to sue. <laughs> to be fair, I think. Yeah, uh, I think no, but Hillary Clinton is a fan of drone strikes, and I don't, I don't want yeah. to be bombed on the way home. Twenty twenty three was a weird year because, like you say, we found out that Bill Clinton was a paedophile, and nobody cared in the slightest. We also had the governments revealing that aliens exist, and everyone was just like, "Oh, of course you're fucking lying." And yeah, but that is it. probably fake. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh boy, the revolution is going to be fun. Just goes on and on. Jeffrey Epstein. How to kill over there. I just see one in here with that how to kill thing, but I don't know if we're going to find out. Condoms are gay. That's, That's the Catholic position. Yeah. Okay. Is that actually? It's homosexual? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. It's non-procreative, therefore. <laughs> Why do you think I'm Catholic? Masturbation is gay. They're just weird. Based, yeah. Anal sex is gay. It's literally the okay. Catholic position, Cal. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes on and on. Long after you are dead, I will still be living. Okay. And it goes on. It just, just I, and, and that's good. I think it is good that Mickey Mouse has joined us. And I did find one particular meme that was very spicy that someone immediately made after it became public domain to make Mickey Mouse. Oh, go on then. Right. Oh, dear. I can see, I can see the image. <laughs> have... Well, I, I had to... I looked at it and I was like, damn, that's funny. But I knew I wouldn't be able to show it without it getting censored. So I did the pre-censoring and I got uh, the ADL's image and just replaced the ADL's logo on everything that I think uh, I wouldn't be allowed to show. So Happy New Year, everyone. Oh, boy. What shall I do today? I'll do what I always wish to. And then uh, Mickey goes on to do various things that I can't show you. But there you are. Whistling Willy there with his paddle boat is going to save the UK, boys. Which, yeah, not bad. Remember when I asked how edgy this segment was going to be? I think I did a sufficient job of making sure it's hidden. But there we are. I wanted to mention something else real quick, just for people who didn't know. Is, is it less edgy? What, to have the ADL there? I mean, if you saw no. the original, yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it does look like he's about to set fire to the ADL, Callum. Yeah, well, I mean, they deserve being set fire to, and uh, they have been by Elon Musk. So there we are. Do you know that some news recently came out that they've started crawling to the right wing influencers, being like, yes. uh, you don't want to kill the Jews, so how about we're friends, actually? <laughs> so they, they spoke to libs of TikTok of all people, and obviously she got this phone call. It was just like, what? <laughs> Why would I want to be friends with you? So yeah, there's, there's that going on. But anyway... I wanted to mention just real quick, because a lot of people talk about Mickey Mouse being anti-Semitic or something back in the day, or, or Disney being anti-Semitic. It's not actually true. No. Is it? This, this no, it's not. It's not. It was, um, it was a smear basically made up by, a, I believe the newspaper was called The Daily Worker, because Disney was trying to break up the cartoonist unions, and lots of the unions are funded by the Soviet Union. So they decided... He's anti-communist. Yeah, they decided concurrent with the war to smear him as an anti-Semite to try and say that he was a Nazi. And then he went and testified to the House on Un-American Activities Committee saying there's tons of communists in Hollywood. So his lasting legacy, as painted by Hollywood, like what's his name behind family guy and the like oh, I has see. been that he's an anti-semite right okay but one of the funnier things is when you go back i mean 30s and 40s america certainly you know if you take whistling willie from that era he's one of us uh, but you can go and check out some of the old stuff they censored for example just to dispel a myth here so this is a, a scene of the three little pigs in 1933 and then they redid it after the second world war and the holocaust because it was misinterpreted so the scene here is that the last pig runs into his house made of bricks and as you can see in the original version um, the wolf tries to hide himself by dressing up as a Jewish salesman. And this was obviously interpreted by modern eyes as like, oh, see, the Disney company hates Jews. But the joke actually was that obviously Jews don't eat pork. Right. So he's dressing himself up as the least threatening thing possible. 
And then when they, they redid it, of course, they, they changed it because it was just so misinterpreted. So it's, got, it's just not true. It's uh, just a myth. But now he's obviously a wolf, so it doesn't work. Yeah, so it, the, the joke is sort of lost, and, except, I guess, if you argue that he's just a traveling salesman now. Right. Who then turns into, obviously, trying to kill the pigs. Uh, it's not the only thing. I wanted to just stop for a moment, though, and appreciate what just happened, because this wasn't inevitable, of course. There's no reason why Kermit the Frog, when he comes out in 50 years, he'll become a far-right meme. But it is true that we all know that's what immediately will happen. And really, that comes down to just how true the statement is that the left cannot meme. <laughs> I mean, I know, it, I know that in and of itself is a joke phrase at this point. Yeah. It is so true. I don't think it has been more perfectly demonstrated by what we just witnessed in the yeah. coming of the new year. So the right can meme, but it can't name things. And the left can name things, but it can't meme. Like, if, so. like the, yeah. the, the left-wing naming of bills, like let's save all the children and puppies bill. And then you read it and you find out it's about Killing all the you know, I, I can't stand Stephen Pinker, but he did come up with the idea of a euphemism treadmill in that there is a conveyor belt where the left can come up with pithy little phrases that perfectly encapsulate their positions and try and frame them as being non-negotiable. So Black Lives Matter or yes. um, we're against transgenocide. And so, so you spend a lot of time on the defensive. I don't even know if it's... I know the phrases the left can't meme. I think it's more that the regime can't meme. Because Disney has been the regime entertainment mouthpiece for the last how many years? It's deteriorated in quality and now become a thing for the not-so-secret gay agenda. And it's just so happened that as soon as it falls into public domain, the most taboo things are the things that the regime does not approve of. And so suddenly Mickey Mouse is saying things that they designate far-right. But they're just observable reality. But that doesn't really follow. Because, I mean, the most taboo thing isn't being far-right. I still think the most taboo thing is being a rabid anti-Semite. And if you're left-wing, I mean, that's pretty easy. I mean, sincerely. I mean, the last few weeks, we saw that with nothing else. And um, so I'll end this off with just, I did see a local leftist talking about this. And obviously his response was, well, Mickey Mouse is now copyright. We can bring back Farfour. I was like, yeah, I suppose you can. Bring back, bring back what? Sorry. You don't know who Farfour is? No. So Farfour Ooh. is the Palestinian Mickey Mouse who runs a children's show, or did. And um, <laughs> Farfour over here would teach the children such wonderful things as, as how to kill Jews. Because, you know, what else are you going to do if you're Palestinian TV? And, uh, you know, there you are. Right. So Farfour in the TV show gets mistreated by evil Jews who, who tried to destroy his life. As you can see there, they destroyed his home. They couldn't find his notebooks. That's why he couldn't bring his homework in and therefore gets punished. So the Jews ate my homework. The Jews did this to me. Hello, Lotus is out of context. And then he ended up getting killed in 2007 for some reason. <laughs> it was just like, okay. And um, yeah, so there we are. Pal Palestinian children's TV is wild to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. It's, it is. It's really something. But that's the thing. Looking at that, it's like, I think probably the most... Um, <laughs> it's a very strange way to spend your spare time, Dan. <laughs> the, most, the most taboo thing probably is being a Palestinian enjoyer. And um, if you are, well, then why doesn't the meme format work? Because if that's the, that's the root of it, which is like being edgy or something, well, it doesn't really seem to be. I mean, genuinely, when people talk about creativity and the left versus the right, and it's like, man, there's so much good communist music or there's so much good communist art. It's like, Nah, not really. I, I really don't think so. And it, it comes out in moments like this, where you see that in a natural environment where there's a, a free market, which is the meme market, when it comes to actually deciding what's funny and what's not, the left do utterly fail every time because they've got no ability to have any proper backing. It's instead yes. all artificial, whereas uh, the right, it's entirely grassroots and therefore is fun. And um, there we are. Enjoy your Mickey Mouse memes. Let's go to the video comments.
So, Los Leaders, is this at the uh, Bucky's in the Braunfels? Is it just the uh, gas uh, stations alone that are here? Look how big There's it inside. It's coming up to the front entrance. You can see it's kind of like a Walmart in a way, kind of big. There's an average cool gas station. This out here as well. But this is a gas station? All the jerky you ever want. By the pound. Got a section to get clothes, uh, knickknacks. Of course, uh, there's the rest of it as well. But yeah, it's a pretty cool place to to, to check out. Uh, this is only just in uh, the Braunfels. Um, one of the medium-sized ones. There are bigger ones uh, nearby Houston. I could tell that was Texas because the stars and the councils. They start off as like truck stops because obviously if you're a long hauler, you'd probably want food and clothes and things like that. And they just expanded out from there. So for any Americans no, watching, no. if you go into a, a, a British gas station, there's like a little section where you can buy sandwiches and another little section you can buy beers and there may be some boiled sweets. It's but the same in all of Europe. But yeah. You got to serve your same thing. But that, that's like the size of a medium British supermarket. Germany has quite a big um, petrol station. Not like Bucky's. Not, not that size, but quite big relative to the English ones. Can we go back to that video comment real quick? So there's one thing he very quickly skimmed over that I think is, is vastly more important than uh, that stuff, which is, as we can see, the salaries. Yeah. So they're advertising jobs here. So if you want to go and work for Bucky's, general manager over there starts at 150K and then goes to 225. As a general manager of a gas station, 401k, three weeks paid time off. It's better than I've got. So, food service manager, 125k. Uh, wash manager, so the guy who handles the washing of the cars, the manager for that, 125k. I mean, so I'm just remembering something that somebody from Eastern Europe said to me years ago. They said, oh, the prices where we come from are as high as they are in your country, but we get paid much less. And I thought, oh, yeah, that must be shit. I've just realized that's us. That, yeah, that's us now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the. the yeah. Someone tweeted at me the other day, the, the, the salaries, and it's, it's so true, because someone mentioned an article, which is the, the prime minister of the UK gets paid less than the general manager of a gas station. I mean, it is a big gas station, going wrong, but... It's not as big as the UK, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, yeah, thank you for that. Um, All right, let's move on before I kill myself. It's, uh, I don't know if we can go forward on that uh, video comment, Jack, but there we are. My apologies. And finally screwed. tonight... A heartfelt Merry Christmas to the Lotus Eaters team. They have worked tirelessly and even risked their sanity to report on the news and provide valuable information on a wide range of subjects. Their dedication and commitment are truly commendable. On behalf of everyone who watches your content, I want to express my sincere gratitude for the entertainment you provide. I wish you all the best of luck in the upcoming year of 2024. That's disturbingly good, but thank you. <laughs> That is really good. God bless AI. That is remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, whatever happened with um, the one where you're playing Dungeons and Dragons? They stay, but I don't know if he's done a new part yet. Oh, okay. But that, that was really good as well. I like it. So an issue I have with the whole, you know, Romans, Normans, and Vikings are in England, and therefore it's a nation of immigrants, is that those were all invading conquerors, and they carved their place into places like England through, like, blood and iron. And everyone kind of understands that on a certain level. And the problem with the migrants is that they're brought in by taxpayer expense and then afforded, you know, privileges of, like, a Norman lord without any of the accompanying responsibilities or deeds. And everyone intuitively understands this on a certain level. They understand that this is unnatural and this is unearned. 
Yeah, but they are also waging a form of conquest. It's just backed by the state because if you stop paying your taxes to support your migrant overlords, you will be thrown in prison with less provisions than the migrants get. So yep. they are actually... And they'll take your house and give it to a migrant. Yeah. The Japanese were just immigrating to Hawaii. I don't know why the Americans are moaning about. Like, it is it is just mad. The next one. There we go. Okay. We're rolling. We're rolling. Come on. Do it. Yeah. Feels like I'm playing Call of Duty World at War. The ping sound is, is you know about the ping sound, don't you? So when the, the cartridge comes out, it makes that ping noise, but it's, it's just ASMR. I, I couldn't see if you actually hit anything, though. Need, needs to do that in 4K. We have such different frames of reference, Callum. You shoot the gun to make the ping sound. doesn't matter if you hit anything. The next one. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas and uh, all that from Kings Island. This is our local theme park and just thought it was neat and wanted to show you. So there's our Eiffel Tower. And all this is our skating rink. I love America. All the way down there. And then you can see the Dancing Santas. Some of these commenters make America look all right. I mean, if it wasn't for the upcoming civil war and everything. Yeah, I genuinely would consider moving if it weren't for things like family ties and the threat of death. Yes, um, that's the good stuff. I did go to Dino Wonderland though. That was that was fun for Christmas. In one in Hyde Park. Oh, the uh, Winter Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Full of Dinos. Yeah, exactly. Dino Wonderland. Yeah, the mold wine was overpriced, but it's all right. Anyway, oh, oh we've we done all the comments. Yes, we are. Oh, let's. This is the time where you shout at the audience, Dan. Uh, no, I like I like the audience. Uh, hang on. Is he boomerang yet? Do you want me to read? Well, I, I completely forgot what came up next because I've, I've <laughs> Callum, been... you're dyslexic. Is that a threat? Right, okay. So, so um, for, for my section, Mr. Ape says, if the Hoofies were smart, they would ride around in little dinghies and the British Navy would just run around with their eyes closed pretending they can't see anything. Yes. Well, it's like Western camouflage. No, the problem is the British Navy would keep picking them up and trying to put them in a hotel in Swindon. They'd be like, no, no, I want to be there. Uh, let me see. Uh, Anne E. Moss says, regarding the Houthi messing with shipping, this is just an, another example of how much money the defense industry complex has wasted on bad tech. The Russians and Ukrainian wars also shown how much the high-tech NATO war equipment is worthless. The Russian modded some cheap Chinese drones, uh, replaced helicopters, and can jam communications. Yeah, because we found out that um, it basically costs the Russians a tenth of what it costs the Americans to produce a mortar shell. Isn't that the same problem with the Iron Dome in Israel versus all the mortars that the Palestinians can send over? Because the Iron Dome is a really expensive bit of anti-missile technology yes. to run. In fact, you, you showed me something, Callum. Some, there was some YouTube channel you found where basically the guy just does war games on, on AI. I and it was something like, the takeaway was something like the Americans always won until the one strategy where the, the attacking country just spent all of their budget on the cheapest possible drones and just sent over thousands of them. And that always won and just completely screwed the Americans. I'll put it in Studio One, Jack, I think it is worth sharing because if we're going to talk about modern warfare, I think this really is right. the biggest change in all of human history. I, I, will, I will skim another comment while that is being loaded up. Mr. Fox says there are currently 20,000 Yemen soldiers marching on Gaza. Um, good luck getting them through Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that... That seems a bit of a challenge. Right, so have you got the... Here we go. I think this is the video you're referring to. and It's uh, a YouTube channel, which I quite like, and he mostly uh, just posts simulations in DCS, so it's not perfect or anything. But this situation here, so it has 136 Shahid drones. And Shahid drones cost $12 apiece, uh, Iranian junk. And so 
He set up various defense systems of all kinds, and the costs are ridiculous to try and defend against these drones. As you can see, they've just got to fly a small straight and then blow up a target. So here we have a whole bunch of uh, anti-air uh, vehicles, which you know, don't ask me to explain. And so the point being that they try, they do a good job. But as you can see, I mean, it's just a swarm that costs basically nothing. And each one of those is a bomb. So obviously, if you're sending 100 odd of them, how good have you got to be to actually defend against an attack that's pretty cheap? And the evidence seems to be it's pretty hard. So, I mean, all of these air defenses fail. And eventually, the only thing that works is this American cruiser that costs a billion dollars, which has to be in the right place at the right time, fully armed and ready to stop the drone swarm, which is yeah. kind of bad news. The good news is, though, that this complete change to modern warfare, seemingly the Americans have kept up with that and did also shit themselves when they learned about what was happening in the world. Because recently, the Russians flew 97 of these drones that we're seeing simulated here at the Ukrainians. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And the Ukrainians intercepted 87 of them. So only 10 got through. So it is possible to stop this. But this is just the utter change in modern warfare that we're now dealing not with armies fighting each other, but with missiles trying to hit missiles. That's really all that's going on anymore. And it's just who's got yeah. the most and the best. Well, not necessarily the best, but who who can who's got the comparative advantage of producing the cheapest cost per unit? Sure, sure. So if if you if I mean that was like 126 in your example there, but you you can imagine that the neocons get a big war at some point in the next decade, and you get U U.S. military bases being attacked by like 5,000 drones at once. The um the quality is important though, because the Americans, of course, can produce as many drones as they need as well. So if they're bombing the Chinese or the Russians or whatever... Yeah, but interception is a lot harder than just go there and Exactly. Blow up. So them not being able to intercept us, but we being able to intercept 50% of theirs, that's a massive advantage as well. Yes. So it's, it's complex. I don't know everything about it, but yes. it is a massive change in modern warfare and, and something that... Right. Anyway, since, since I diverted, is I shall give up the rest of my comments. So uh, over, to, over to Connor. All right then. So if you live, well, happy new year to you too, Connor. Nice to be back in Blackpilled. Off to a good start with the new year. Stay away from the big cities. Yeah, well, frustrating because I'd like to think parts of London can be reclaimed because they're still a nice place to visit, but they're swamped with refuse of the third world at the moment. Kevin Fox, photo ID to watch fireworks, good. Photo ID to vote in an election, racist and bad. Yes, of course, because otherwise Sadiq Khan wouldn't get his voters. I do wonder what the vote margin impact will be on the next mayoral election because you can't have some of the sort of alleged fraud operations that happened in Tower Hamlets. Uh, you're right. Yeah, it was a fly. Oh, I thought you were turning Italian. Baron yeah. <laughs> <laughs> von Warhawk. London is for everybody's business, just like the systemic looting of England by the third world. They will bleed your country for all it's worth because these people hate you and actively enjoy watching you suffer. Only when you cut off the benefits will these people leave. This is the only way to save your homeland. Quite. That's just not what the political yep. class are willing to do. <laughs> HR slave. Oh, Pete left a comment. London is a lost cause at this point. The cultural wounds are too deep and simply beyond fixing. The only solution would be to start deporting literally millions of immigrants, some of whom have been here for decades now and have children, families here, etc. Good luck convincing an MP to stick their head up and suggest that. Well, again, I made a comment earlier about how the police's highest priority is to go after the right wing. Actually, when you look into it, it's people who advocate for deportation. Right. That, that is the UK law officer's highest priority to crack down on people who think that deportation is necessary. That explains why Douglas Murray was on the prevent list. Hmm. So, there you go. Um, th that being said, where else 
do you go? Because if you're going to call it Londonification, well, it's happening everywhere. I mean, global homogenization will chase you to the end of the earth. So mm. what do you do? Uh, Omar Awad, they will reduce wealth, quality of life, and mobility until 15-minute cities are the only viable option. Then they'll tax you for using your bike. Yeah, that's, that's about right. Uh, do you want to go on to your bit? Sure. Uh, so Walt Disney would probably approve of half of these memes, says Lord Narapar. True. That's the thing. I mean, if Walt Disney was alive today, he'd totally be on our side. <coughs> yes. Anti-communist, normal person. So, yeah. Van Van Warhawk says, just like with Pepe the Frog and Moon Man, we need the ADL to declare the Steamboat Willie a hate symbol. We need to do that because it would be hilarious. What's, what's Moon Man? Um, I, I'm not going to answer that for legal reasons. So, <laughs> Justin B says, apparently it was originally only about 20 years for copyright, but Disney successfully argued they extended it several times to avoid their characters coming out of copyright. I guess with all their recent failures, they couldn't spare the funds to fight it again, a silver lining to getting them... Uh, Going woke. 2038, Superman. Yeah, he'll be joining the far right. Yeah. You're pretty good. It's going to be a hell of a day. So Sophie says, honestly, I'm just enjoying how many people are not even hesitating to take the piss out of Disney. They deserve it. The moment Winnie the Pooh became public domain, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was announced. Daily Wire is, of course, making their own Snow White movie because they are pretty uh, they are petty. petty bastards that like that and love it. Uh, Bambi Horror has been announced and it just goes on. And well, yeah, the second Steamboat Willie went public domain. Everyone was just ready to jump on and Disney deserves all of it. But they definitely do. So, I mean, there couldn't be a, a more deserving target of, of your character just becoming a far-right meme overnight. But Then it's everything. I mean, as you mentioned, yeah. Spider-Man, Kermit, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as it's a famous thing in the culture, like, the only people who are able to take things and turn them into le funny are the people having fun on the internet. It is sad, though, that the only appropriate response to the complete political capture of pop culture is to then not really invent anything new that has any staying power, but then to invert any time it comes into the public domain, the icons of pop culture just for our side. But it's... Well, there's plenty of new things. It's just also, if you're getting something that's copyright free. But there's not really, there's not really anything new with staying power. Like I, I, I applaud the efforts of, for example, Eric July trying to improve comics, but it's not a yet lasting challenge to something like Marvel and DC. I can't speak to that. So apparently with things like Batman and Superman, because they're in continuous use, it's a bit more complicated. Right. But if it it were to become uncomplicated or uncontested, it it would be the (laughs) early 2030s we get those two. I would agree. It would be 2038 for Superman, because 100 years, and 2039 for Batman. I would really, really like the Riddler, the Joker, and Batman to become public domain and for someone to actually, like the Daily Wire might not do it, but someone to make that movie is like, no, Joker, you can't say the word. And then the Riddler is just like, they make up 13% of the population, but 50% of the crime, Batman. Like there's, you know, Gypsy Crusader can finally get his life back. And then. But actually, you, you could just use that now because let, let's say that you, you planted a bomb in a major city and that was, that was the solution <laughs> to turn it off. And the and, president must say the N word. <laughs> yeah, and and, and All the Houthis will keep taking ships. Yeah, and and, and you know, member of the bomb squad turns up. Well, they've been through their DEI training. They know they can't say that. So you know, wasn't this a conundrum they once posed to AI? And even Grok said it wouldn't do it. Uh, well, yeah, there you go. I mean, someone should. No, no, no. I oppose bombing. <laughs> <laughs> we do not endorse bombing major cities at the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, unequivocally. Uh, Rick Archer says. Pinochet did nothing wrong in the helicopter rides. Well, half off of the communists. Mickey, probably. <laughs> Taco Sam says the fact that the steamboat Willie is in the public uh, commons 
after all the fighting to keep them out of it by Disney shows how much soft power they've lost over the years over their secret agenda. I don't know. I, th- I think we're, we're being too hopeful that that's what stopped them being able to extend copyright. I think times have just changed and, and there is too much waiting power already on copyright. I mean, if you went to US Congress now and, and said, I want an extra 100 years on the copyright that is already the author's lifetime plus 75 years or whatever it is, I think that's even too hard to sell because it's already mental. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to, to be able to be like, yes, you know, we, we did it with uh, cultural stuff, but I don't think it's true. Anyway, we're out of time. So if you'd like more, uh, go over to the website. Yeah. So go and enjoy the, the shit posting I mentioned. And um, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.